Hello, hello, 6am run community, 6am run family, everyone. Again, thank you as always for listening to our podcast, the 6am run podcast. Really, really want to start every episode with the gratitude to you guys. Every episode has been just growing, growing, growing. Um, Obviously, I think I'm recording now like 10, 20 episodes ahead of time. But yesterday, Stephanie Laris's episode that we released that one, you know, immediately in like the first hour had like over a hundred downloads and we're still kind of getting close to that. We're at that thousand download per episode mark right now. So I really appreciate all the fan support. Really excited. I messed up in our pre-call, but I want to introduce our first guest on this episode. I'm going to make an attempt, but Mike and, and probably correct me, Mike Montague. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. It's Montagues and Capulets like Romeo and Juliet. So uh, pretty easy there. That's exactly, I was like, let me say it like that. Mike, I'm excited to have you on our show. You are very enthusiastic. I can tell already you are a very positive person. I think this is a podcast that if someone's running, they're probably going to power through this run right now. Tell us about yourself and let me share with the audience through the next 30, 45 minutes why I brought you on here. But you are someone I think that brings, you have athletic background, you like to be active, but also you like to finish things. And I want you to really talk to our audience about yourself, how you got into what you got into now and what really pushes you every day, please. Oh, that's a really cool way to put it. I did uh, run in high school, so I I lettered in cross country and track and soccer and basketball and stuff. As I got older, it kind of just came down to the running, really, because once you cross 40, you're like, just the goal is not to get hurt, I feel like. (laughs) So for me, it's a little bit of fitness, but also a little bit of recreation now. And that's what my focus is on in my Playful Humans community. Oh, wow. So I created this project before COVID, but it really kind of became a COVID baby. And I really dove into it to kind of find some sanity and fulfillment and happiness throughout all the isolation and the pandemic and everything. So I have a long, crazy story. We could take the whole uh, time to fill it in, but I was an entertainer and a DJ in my 20s. And I opened for Billy Idol and Frankie Valli and uh, was on the radio, Top 40 here in, in Kansas City, and had a blast doing that. But I also found some interesting things about it, right? When you do something you love for a job, sometimes you can get burnt out on it. You can kind of ruin it by trying to squeeze too hard. And I think there's some lessons in there for runners and, and stuff that we could talk about too. You know, is sometimes you got to be happy with where you're at and pushing to the next level or hurting yourself is not the way to go, right? You, right. you got to find what is happy and fun for you. And just because your friend is running a marathon doesn't mean you have to. Or just because your time isn't Olympic qualifying doesn't mean you're a failure as a runner, right? And I think Absolutely. that's really where it came to me is as I got older, I realized that like, there are certain limits. So I moved from radio into sales training and public speaking and motivational speaking. And that's what I do now. I also host game shows for people and just play around uh, locally and online. I've hosted game shows for Facebook and Google and all kinds of big tech companies out in California. The San Francisco 49ers was a fun one. But in that, I found that like what I was really looking for was a better time, a better job, better money, not more money, not more status, not faster running times, but really focusing on the quality of that time that I'm spending in it. I think 
that's really what my focus has been here recently for the last few years. Right. Let me ask you this, going back to entertainment and you talk about being with teams, being in the radio. I think one thing about entertainers, that's still a gratifying, satisfying job, right? Like uh, being a DJ, you know, seeing people, I've always admired club DJs. You know, you go to, you know, in your 20s, I'm far removed from this, but, you know, when I used to go to like Vegas and things like that, you know, to see like a party DJ or, you know, these are people that really bring joy to people. I think music and dance, you know, it's funny, we talk about the athletic euphoria of finishing a run or an exertion of a game or a workout. There's a hundred percent athletic euphoria, right? When you win a game or you finish a feat. But in your DJ world, do you think, though, there was part of you was doing that because you enjoyed entertaining and bringing smiles to people's faces, obviously? Yeah, I think you nailed two interesting things there for me. Number one is it's very much a flow state. When I'm on stage and I'm on front of like 12,000 people when I was opening for Frankie Valley, I can't be distracted. I can't be right. checking Facebook and messing around or thinking about my laundry or what I'm going to have for dinner. I have to be in it. I have to be in the moment. And I think people do get that feeling from sports, right? And when you're running, you can't really multitask. You might be able to listen to a podcast yeah. like this, but you can't be doing your taxes or your laundry or whatever and running. You have to be focused on what you're doing. And then you find that flow and that momentum and that euphoria that you talked about, which is really cool. The other thing that you mentioned that I relate a lot with is connecting with other people. And I found just for me and my own happiness, that's the cool part of it. I didn't like radio because I would tell the funniest joke I've ever thought of and hear nobody laugh. Maybe right. one phone line would flash in the corner of my eye and it'd be my friend saying, hey, man, that one was funny. And I'm like, OK, great. Glad somebody liked it. But when I perform in front of live audiences, that's really what gets me fired up. You get to see the smiles. You get to see the laughs. You get to feel that energy of everybody having Absolutely. a good time. And that's really what brings the fulfillment for me are those two things. Nice. I love that, hearing that. And talk about, you know, as you transition, I want to hear more. I heard about the, and correct me if I'm wrong, what were some of the sports teams you were working with? And if we kind of now bring it back to sports a little bit and how that start? Sure. I mean, most of the time it has just been what you would think. So when I was in radio, I did on-field entertainment or pregame oh, wow. show stuff, announcing and entertaining or DJing. And I did charity events. You know, all the professional athletes have their own charity yeah. events where I would DJ or host and auctioneer <laughs> different events for mm -hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs charities or things like that. And then uh, during the pandemic, we moved online and with a company out of California, I started doing virtual game shows for people. Okay. Uh -huh. And Qualcomm and the San Francisco 49ers booked me as the uh, game show host for one of their internal like company holiday parties. So that was really fun. But I think the lesson there to tie in what we're talking about to sports is you have to rest. I talked to so many people that NFL players don't just play football no. 60 hours a week, right? They have to rest. They have to recover. They need time to laugh. They have to let those muscles recover. You can't just work out and lift 24 seven. You got to sleep. You got to eat. And I think that's what people in the business world miss. They miss that you got to play. You need to pause. You need to time to ponder and think about what you're doing. You need time to practice and get better at your craft when you're not going 100% so that then you can perform when called upon at your highest level. And I think 
that's really what I was talking about when I was talking about getting to better things, not just a balance, because I think balance is misnomered. I want really high highs and I want, you know, some really low lows if I'm really going after some things, but balance and like quick, nobody move. My life is perfect right now. <laughs> like that doesn't exist, right? The, yeah. the world's going to change. Pandemics are going to happen. People are going to come in and out of your life. Your business or your sports priorities are going to change. So I really think about how do I lean into that and find maybe different flavors or different levels of engagement in my life, because it can't all be at a 10 all the time. No, no. But let me ask you, so I want to kind of go back to, and if people are listening to this, you have this disc jockey radio voice. (laughs) When did you realize though, that what I love is I think everyone has, I do believe especially now that I do 6am run and I founded this company. And one of the things that we don't get into this podcast about 6am run and it's nutrition, but I will say this, Finding that you runners need the nutrition and starting 6 a.m. run, I feel like, all right, I found really my happiness. And kind of you hit the nail on the head. It really wasn't about money. I was actually making more money, believe it or not. We're still a startup. I was actually making more money, you know, working for a corporate company, doing their marketing, putting people, let me not say that because it wasn't like we were putting everyone in credit card debt, obviously, but like it wasn't (laughs) fulfilling working for like a bank, right? Now, hearing people being able to have personal victories through 6am run, right? That's more fulfilling. What I'm getting at is, when did you say to yourself, man, I got this like voice, I can be a talk show host, I can be a a game show host, I can really make people, I feel like that's a talent, right? I really admire that disc jockey, that movie trailer voice, you've got, you've got that. What age or when did you find out like, yo, I've got a talent here. It seems like I think we're not even talking about that. And I, maybe if I'm going off subject, but I do want to ask you that because you've just got one of those like really rare voices. Was there an age you found out or you figured out like, dude, I'm unique. I think, you know, the voice specifically is weird because I don't try to put on a radio voice or anything, but my family has always had really loud, like compelling voices could have been opera singers, but a lot of like coaches and, you know, my grandpa was in the military and stuff. I feel like a really loud voice just kind of comes with being a Montague. So I didn't think about that part too much, but finding my voice metaphorically, I did think about a lot. I don't know. What got into it, I would say my mom and her side of the family were a lot of entertainers and Mm -hmm. my great grandma was a piano teacher and I have like fashion designers and musicians and stuff on that side of the family. And they would always encourage us to be playful. We called it creative nerdery. We would go in the back room, we would make up a show and then come out and show the parents our show. And I don't know how many other families did that. I was blessed to have a really nice, you know, fun childhood with my cousins or my brother and sister. When we would race across the swimming pool, I would interview them, you know, how's it feel to be the winner? Oh, it feels great. All right. Praise Jesus. Thank you for the win. And, you know, we'll get back and we're getting our next race started here in just a few minutes. And like we would pretend to be the radio announcers or the TV announcers and stuff. I was inspired a lot by Steve Martin and stand up comedy, Robin Williams, people like that, that I just thought it would be cool. And I also grew up in the 80s where radio was still a big deal. Like we would listen to radio shows at night and call in and try to get on the radio requesting songs and stuff. And I think that always inspired me, similar to what you said about music. Uh But I think it's time to talk about two failure stories that I I like to share a lot. So the first one was I always wanted to be on stage. I thought it was more interesting to be on stage than be in the audience. And in middle school, I had this one speech where I just failed 
miserably. I wasn't prepared. It was one of those like give a five minute speech in front of the class kind of things. And I was squeezing my hand so tight that my fingers turned white and I just was total panic. I forgot everything I was supposed to speech. I think I don't even remember redoing it. Like, I think the teacher maybe have just passed me because she felt sorry for me at that point. Like it was such a disaster. She's like, we're just going to give you a C and move along. Mike, that's not great. So when people see me on stage now, they always say like, oh, you're such a natural up there. I was like, well, I didn't start that way. That's not how things work. The only way to get good is to be crappy first. So after that, I think it was the year later, I entered a storytelling competition and it was the true story of the three little pigs. I have the book back here uh, behind me on the shelf and I practiced it over and over and over again. I went to Catholic school. There were nine grades and two classes of each. I delivered it in every single class before the competition. And I ended up getting like first place in the state and all of these competitions. I only got one second place trophy. I won all the rest of the competitions I entered. And I was like, oh, this is something that I can do. If I put my mind to it, and I really want to do it. This is something that I can do. And then I just worked my way up from there. So a lot of people would ask me, how do you get to be on the radio? And it's like, well, you don't, you get a crappy part-time promotions guy job. And then you get to do a remote from a car dealership for 20 seconds. And then you build up from there. You know, you get a crappy Sunday night shift from midnight to 5 a.m. And then you get a slightly less crappy shift until I got my own show and nights on the top 40 station. And that was great. And I think that's really what people miss. It's sort of just like being a runner. Like, you know, how do you run a marathon? Well, you got to start by running a hundred yards <laughs> and then yeah. you build up from there. Right. I love that story too, because I think today's generation, and I'll use my kids as an example, they work, my kids do work their butts off at the sports they do and things like that. But I think there's some part of today's generation because information is so easily at their fingertips, you know, they want to skip steps. I think you just mentioned something that is so amazing that even in your career, right? There's really, it's very rare to skip steps. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying nobody does. And and I'm sure there's some people that got either a lucky break or there's some people that, you know, found a great connect and they did maybe skip that step, right? Maybe there's sometimes, and things like, you know, I think it's okay to say things like nepotism exist, right? Like, hey, if my kid comes to me and says, I want a job at 6 a.m. run, am I going to say no? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, that's just the way things are, right? So, but I do think what I love, and you just said, like, if that's your dream, you knew, like, I think I don't want to just gloss over one of the things you just said. And I know that, like, listen, we've all driven home late at night or driven to somewhere really late. And there's disc jockeys on the radio from that 12 to four and, or podcasters or radio and podcasting and things like that make it. I know you can now pre-record and things like that, but What I don't want to just gloss over is you said, look, I know though, to get to that goal, you obviously knew, look, I got to suffer a little bit right now. But the good news is that 99% of the time, someone has suffered before you. So you do at least know, like, this is the way it's done. Am I right? Like, you're not the first radio host that got to where you wanted to get to by doing midnight shifts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there is a path. Sometimes that can be overrated because the path's closed, right? Like it's, uh, now, 20 years later, radio's changed completely. You know, like you said, they are 
pre-programming those night shifts. And there's only one person in the station for four radio stations overnight. So somebody's got to be there for the FCC and stuff to keep those things on. Hey, go for that job. But it's not all four stations doing all four live shows or anything like that. So I think there's something to be said for definitely if somebody else has done it, it kind of proves to you that you can do it too and you can follow those paths and figure out some steps. But I also kind of made it up as I went along. I don't know why, but I thought when I was in college and uh, in the middle of it, I had to get a part-time job. And I just thought, yeah, if I get a job as a waiter at a restaurant, I get a little mini audience, you know, several times an hour. I get four people that I get to perform in front of. And if I meet enough people... I can make a connection to something that will give me a better opportunity. So my thought has always been like, how can I get in front of more people so I can find something that will connect? And the restaurant I worked at had a karaoke show. And so I was like, hey, if I could be the karaoke host, that's better than being the bartender at the time. And the owner of the company happened to do this show. And she said, you'd be good at this. And I was like, well, how much does it pay? You know, working in a restaurant sucks. (laughs) So... It paid slightly more so that I could go do that. And then the karaoke company did a singing contest for the radio stations. So I met the promotions people. And then that's how I got that promotions job. So I think if you kind of look at like where opportunities are, you can start doing it. And in today's world, my advice for young people or anybody that wants to get into it is start doing it. You're not going to get the Super Bowl of the halftime show because somebody thinks you're awesome. You get the Super Bowl of the halftime show because you have a larger audience than the Super Bowl does. Like yeah. you're benefiting them. And so I always, you know, recommend it doesn't cost anything. It's free with the internet now. Start a blog if you want to be a writer, start playing, or if you want to be a runner or get into sports, you got to start doing it. Uh, And if it's doing it for free on the weekends and as a hobby, or if it's doing it with a small group of people, or you're even paying to do it sometimes, you know, is invest in yourself and figure out how to do that. That's such a huge lesson. You know, it was funny. My wife and I were talking about, I mean, even still in the entertainment industry, you and I, I feel we're in the similar age group. You know, you forget some of those. I know there was a time, I think the malls and things like that are changing, But like Britney Spears, new kids on the block back in the day, like what they did, they started in malls, literally would go malls around the country and just for free start singing. Right. Until people were like, because they didn't have like the Internet like we have today, where one song maybe just on TikTok can go viral. He skipped those steps of a lot of other people go back to like a Britney Spears who had to go to malls all over the country so people could hear her music. And then like what's crazy is Baby One More Time was not, you know, as popular, you know, until she literally went like literally like mall to mall to mall singing person to person. Yeah. And person person saying, hear this song, hear this song. Then one radio played it. Then like it's your industry that you're familiar with. It's crazy. The work that had to go into it. Now, look, like I said, do some people skip steps? Absolutely. Like I said, and that's not a bad thing, but again, I think people need to understand. I just personally feel there's something when you work harder for it and call me crazy. I just do believe There's something to be said when you save your money for something and you buy it after working hard to save your money. There's something to be said after you get something for working so hard for it. It's been scientifically proven. I mean, definitely your happiness levels are greater when you have to work for it. And even in your career, like when you blow up or you have a viral hit, I've interviewed a a ton of people on my podcast, Playful Humans, that they got runner up in a reality show or Miss America, or they had these big breaks where 
Justin Guarini, you know, lost to Kelly Clarkson on the first American Idol. And he's been able to parlay that into a career. But that moment of peak, you know, popularity feels disingenuous. You feel like an imposter when you're up there because you're like, well, this was too easy. This isn't right. I didn't quite get there. And you find people kind of falling back down until they build it up the right way. Because if it comes fast, it can go away fast. And so when you build it hand by hand combat, like you said, touring around, or even, you know, with your runs and your activity in sports is when you build it the right way, when you build the right muscles, you also have those tendons that go along with it. You have the cardiovascular that goes along with the muscles and you have like the brain and the willpower to push through. It fits, right? And everything works sustainably over the long term. And last thing I wanted to tell you is uh, one of my favorite stories of all time. And I think it fits right into here is my Billy Idol story. Okay. So... I was fired live on stage in front of about 4,000 people by Billy Idol. <laughs> so his his opening act canceled and they called the radio station looking for a DJ. And obviously, you know, we already talked about it. I was the person who did that. So I was like, yes, I'm in. You know, I want every opportunity to do this. This will be awesome. Put it on my resume and and be able to do this. I met with Billy Idol and his manager before the show and they said, hey, you're, I was on the retro station at the time. They said, play retro music. Obviously, it's a rock show, so play a lot of rock songs. And don't play any Billy Idol songs because we're going to play those later. Right. I said, deal. I can do this. I got like an hour and maybe 20 minutes to kill. And I get up on stage. I'm doing my thing. The audience, too, since we are similar age here, is all soccer moms because this is Billy Idol in the 2000s. And I'm like, these are my people. I was Romeo on the radio. I'm like, I'm playing to... a room full of thousands of soccer moms. Basically, I was like, I got this. And I'm playing like Jesse's girl and eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine, Jenny. And, you know, all the stuff that I would associate with the 80s pop radio and rock. The manager comes out about three songs in and goes, we said, play rock music. This is a rock show like the Rolling Stones. And I immediately panic because this was before Wi-Fi and downloads, I only have the songs that I have with me on stage. And you probably haven't thought about this before, but there's about three songs that rock songs that you can dance to. And I was a club DJ. So we got You Shook Me All Night Long, Pour Some Sugar On Me, and maybe like Rolling Stones, like one of their disco era, era hits, you know? Yeah. And so I play those three and now I'm 25 minutes into this hour long set and I have no other rock music that really fits and I'm sweating it out and I'm like, okay, well I've played a few rock songs. Maybe I can go back to the retro and then I'll play like sweet home Alabama or something and try and get back to rock. So I played Casey and the sunshine band because I have this uh, joke. We're going to do a little dance and get down and make love tonight, but not in that order. Let's save the making love for the end of the night. Yeah. You know, and I play the song and just doosh, the lights come down. The music goes off. I have no control over anything. My microphone and music is off. And I'm standing on stage in the dark in front of 4,000 people. And I look over and the manager's like, you're, you're done. done. Gives me the, the throat cut sign. <laughs> and I did not pass go. I did not collect $200. I just backed up my, my stuff and got out of there. Didn't talk to him anymore or get paid or anything that I was supposed to do. And at that moment, I thought, like, that's really strange. Like, I did not see that coming. I didn't even know if that was a possibility. But here's the lesson in that. From that moment on, I'm bulletproof as a performer. 
Is there anything that could go wrong on this podcast today that is worse than that? No. <laughs> no. Wow. When I get up in front of 600 salespeople or, or when I open for, you know, Frankie Valley or other things, like, is it worse? No. I've been uh, maced on stage before because the fight broke out and the cops, like, missed the people fighting and they shot over them and into my face as the, as the DJ. I've had people, you know, physically and sexually assault me on stage and, and stuff. I did shows on nine 11. When you go through all of that, when you put the hard work in, it just makes you bulletproof. You're like, Oh, anything can happen now. And I know that I can keep going and I can get through there and make stuff happen. So if nobody listens to my podcast or nobody hits like on this week's episode, Okay. <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, I think that I don't know what to call this personality of yours, but here's the other thing. I just know that, you know, you just say that that happened in front of 4,000 people. I don't care where you're from, Los Angeles, New York City. What's always crazy to me is, and I've always had friends everywhere. Um, I've always made friends everywhere. I think one of the good things I'll say, um, I won't go off on a rant. I'm not a big college person. One of the things I loved about going to college was I met people from all over the country who came to, I was at University of Delaware, right? And I love that I met people from New York City, Philly, Washington, D.C. Everyone came to like University of Delaware because it was a, it, it, and it still is a really good school. The school itself, again, I won't go off on a rant there. But mm. one thing I love is every community kind of sometimes is small. The fact that 4,000 people potentially were like laughing at you. I'm not saying you were able to shake it off. I'm sure there was like a low moment there for you. But like, the fact that you just were like, eh. And like, I don't know, there's something in you right now that just shows to me, I'm not saying it was maybe overnight, but what I love about that story is you were like, this happened. I can cry about it for like weeks and say, my life is over. I'm an embarrassment. That's an embarrassing, not even embarrassing, but like, it definitely happened in front of four. It's definitely thousand. embarrassing and awkward, especially when right. the radio station I was on was broadcasting out in front of the studio. So I had to walk around the block, go back to the front of the building and be like, hey, guys, I'm done 30 minutes early. <laughs> you know, and they're like, what are you doing out of here? Well, you, like said, right. It was like one of those situations where you're like, this happened. Now, it's kind of like, I don't know. I love that about you. There's this kind of like, all right, what's next? And you like you said, take that failure, learn from it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think everything happens. I mean, I look, I go back to, again, instinct, you know, I think we all sometimes want instant gratification. I look back at myself and like some of the things I did even in corporate America, right? I'd sit in meetings with a lot of older people and I'm like this 21 year old thinking I know everything. And, you know, I look back on that. I'm like, dude, I was a freaking asshole. Like, and rightfully so I was put in my place, you know, but it's like, I had to get to 40 to realize like, that's not the way I should have acted in a boardroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think all of those, the way I think about it is uh, like in a video game, picking up different tools or different skill sets. Like to me, when that happened to me on stage, it wasn't me because I was performing as Romeo. So nobody even knows my real name. I can walk around the block and nobody cares what just happened in the auditorium, right? And nobody's going to know or tell my parents or something that I was a complete failure that night. Nobody knows. Uh, so I can shake that off easily. But what I learned is I picked up a tool that day. Now it's like, Oh, okay. I picked up a resilience tool that I can then use for the rest of my life. Or when I do a good run or I had a great performance in, in sports, or it was something, a win or a loss in a boardroom, or I made a sale or I didn't make a sale. I think about all those as learning opportunities and lessons that it's like, Oh, cool. I got to experience that because now I'm going to be better prepared when something like that comes up in the future. Yeah, no, I love that. 
we kind of said it, but as we kind of come into the fourth quarter of this conversation, you've shared some amazing stories. This was a very, very funny and amazing podcast. I don't want to discredit anyone, but I'm kind of thinking like, oh man, we got to move this one up and get it out to people because I think they can (laughs) really relate to these stories. But as we come into the fourth quarter, you mentioned your podcast. I definitely want to make sure we put all that stuff in the bio. And I think you kind of already said it, but if there's another thing you want to share with our audience or definitely please, Mike, tell everyone about you know, where they can reach you, find you, follow you on social media for sure. But also, Mike, just some last words that you want to just share with our audience, because this has been a very full sandwich you've provided us. But tell us the, the, fin- the final words, please. Sure. And I always like to play a game. If you want to play a family feud game with me, Howie, okay. we, we can do that to wrap up. But Playful Humans is the podcast that I do in my passion project. I also host one called How to Succeed, which has over 500 episodes and is for wow. uh, sales and leaders and uh, over 2 million downloads. It's been going for five years and is super fun. But Playful Humans is my passion project. That's where I do the game shows for people, host team building events and On the podcast, I try to interview people that play for a living like me. So I've had jugglers that were on The Tonight Show or uh, America's Got Talent. I mentioned uh, Justin Guarini or um, DC from Tag Team and and Whoop, there it is. That's uh, next week's episode if you want to subscribe right now. You know, Miss America or musicians and artists and entertainers, writers, painters, a Foley artist that does the sound effects for movies and stuff. Just trying to find anybody that is really living their passion and their dream and what they do and hopefully inspiring other adults to kind of rediscover the power of play and passion because I think that's really what makes a difference. There's so many people telling you to measure things, to work harder, to grind and push. And I feel like we need somebody on the other side saying, hey, let's get back to the human part of things. Let's connect with something that really matters for us. And my final advice for everybody would be just to lower the stakes in your own life. You got enough stress. You got enough pressure. You got your boss on you. It's important. Or you got a coach measuring your runs or whatever. Somebody is going to tell you you're going to work on the stuff that's important to you. Mm -hmm. But what I want you to do is lower those stakes and make it more play and less work. So when we lower the stakes, we let the stress go from our bodies and our muscles loosen up. Our brain actually loosens up and we create better connections and creativity. And when we're not, like you said, being a jerk in the boardroom because we're trying to push too hard, we get better friends and we make better connections. And then we have people who help us along the way and it amplifies our results. So I would just say, stop taking everything so seriously, lower it down at least a couple of notches and you'll find that you can perform much better and much more free and enjoy the ride while you're out there. I love that. I think the word of like the past 10 years has kind of been like anxiety, right? I think people get anxious and people get nervous and people want to be perfect. I don't think, you know, it's funny. I don't think a lot of people do it on purpose. You don't post your issues on social media, right? Right. You know, so I get all that, right? So I love what you said. I think if you can look at things in a fun way, you know what I mean? I'm totally with you on that. I love what you said. I want to leave it at that. We talk, we'll put the playful humans, all your podcast information. We'll put all that out there. Man, Mike, this was great. I think we maybe need to do, you have a few more, I'm sure, stories. We might need to do like an hour next time. Maybe we'll have you <laughs> on again. 
I'm excited for our runners. I think you, this was real quick. I'll just say this. If you were running a 5k 30 minute run, I'm sure you'd probably didn't think about some of the pain. Mike's stories are definitely awesome to hear. So Mike, thank you so much for your time today. And Leah, like I said, we'll put everything in for people to contact you and I'm going to subscribe. I think your podcast, if it's anything like this episode was for us, I think everyone's going to love it. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's super fun. I appreciate you having me on. And I did have that question. I teased it. So for everybody listening right now, think about it. I've got the top five answers on the card during a power failure. What's something you can still turn on? I would say number one's got to be flashlight, right? Flashlight is number one. You nailed it. There you go. Congratulations. Uh, If you're playing the home game, radio, water faucet, stove, and spouse. Uh, All good answers there. Gas the stoves. gas stoves. Yeah, gas stoves ovens. <laughs> ah, me, sorry. Well, I edit that out. Gas stoves. Your gas stoves are right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, cool. No, that was Family Feud is real quick. I'll just end on that. I grew up Family Feud, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. They're all great. But I will say this Family Feud, and we don't talk much about this faux pas. I do feel the Steve Harvey Family Feud has gotten really sexual, though. They have a tendency to do those on those questions. Yeah, a lot of innuendos uh, on that show for sure. Yeah, it's very much so. But I'm not, look, if, if it's still funny, but I feel like the old school one was also, not, again, the new one's funny as hell too, don't get me wrong. Yeah, well, Richard Dawson started out by making out with all the contestants. So I guess that show started in a, in a HR lawsuit. And it's going to finish there. But the home game, they do have a family edition for the home game if you want to buy the board game. That'll be more fun for the family. Thanks so much for having me on. No, thank you so much, Mike.